Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. We're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God again, and one of the things that we're going to touch on is strategies. And if you're big into politics, you hear for the last, you know, six months or more different strategies for saving the country. And I'm sure if you go to all the other countries throughout the world, there's always some sort of an election going on or someone telling you that they've got the strategy to save your nation and save the people and bring law and order. And the reality is, is uh, they're almost all wrong because none of them are basing their tactics on the strategies of Christ or the strategies of Moses. Even if you went to Israel, which is, uh, you know, a fairly uh, supposedly religiously oriented uh, political institution, at least they claim this Jewish religion to be a very big part of their nation, although you can be a non-religious Jew, what have you, and uh, still be a part of that country. It's not uh, It's not really a theocracy. It's uh, an indirect democracy. It really isn't doing anything as a matter of government policy that is uh, cohesive if, uh, or even in conformity with Moses. I mean, it has unjust weights and measures. It has uh, like a Federal Reserve system and iron coin, uh, you know, that is denominated with a value that does not exist in the coin itself. It's not just weights and measures by any means whatsoever. It has a, a an aggressive uh, graduated income tax, which is not biblical. It has um, a professional army. It has a draft. When when David started to institute the draft, he realized it was a sin and repented from it. They have, you know, everybody's drafted, both men and women. You know, the Bible says that if you choose to have a ruler who can exercise authority, a king, a chief executive officer or whatever, that he will take your sons. And make them run before his chariots. And he will take your daughters and turn them into his confectionery. You know, his his domestics, his cooks, his servants. And of course, through graduated income tax, all your sons and daughters serve such institutions. But it's actually in Israel, you can actually draft a woman and she can run before the chariots as well. And all these things are predicted in the Bible that this is what will happen if you elect a ruler who can exercise authority one over the other. And the Bible is very clear that if you do that, it's because you've already rejected God. It's not, it's not electing that leader is a rejection of God. You elect that leader because you already rejected being ruled by God. So people ask me about strategies. What uh, what are the strategies of the kingdom of God, and and what can you do to um, follow those strategies? What's the plan? Because I often talk about modern Christians. Modern Christians are doing things. We just talked there about the, the modern Jews. 
who are doing everything contrary to Moses. And the modern Christians are actually doing very much the same thing, which is contrary to Christ. Because Jesus Christ and Moses, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, New Testament were in agreement. When people read the Old Testament today, they think it's not in agreement with the New Testament. That there was a strategy back in the Old Testament that had to do with vengeance and genocide and and uh, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And the New Testament was about charity and love. Charity's never even mentioned in the Old Testament, the word charity. But in the New Testament, it's mentioned all the time. And many of the times where you see the Greek word for charity, it's translated love when Jesus says it and charity when Paul says it. But you don't even see the word charity in the Old Testament. You do see the word love, love thy enemy. Uh, actually, it says love thy neighbor, but it also says give drink to thy enemy. And Jesus is really saying the same thing when he says love thy enemy. Uh, he also said love thy neighbor. He's just quoting Moses. And Moses was saying the same thing. Don't oppress the stranger in your midst. He said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but what he, that was ceiling limits. You couldn't take more than that. It is the common way in nature for the selfish man to take more than he has a right to take when he is injured. And eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth is limiting you to not take more than was taken from you. And that's, it's not telling you you have to take vengeance like many of the interpretations or uh, the Sharia of the Quran. Sharia means the interpretation. So Sharia law is the interpretation of law. And they interpret many of the things in the Quran that you have to take vengeance. You have to take an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And actually, they they take far more than that. At least, you know, I'm not picking on Muslims. I'm just saying the Sharia interpretation of the law in the Quran leads to that interpretation by many of the people who follow the Muslim strategies or faith. And, but yet we have to also remember that most of the people that are Muslim today in the world are Muslim because their nation was conquered by Muslims. And everybody had to become Muslims because they forced them to become Muslims. So there's a lot of Muslims out there that are really very good people. But as uh, Aslan says, they're very bad Muslims. But they're very good people. And so we don't want to categorize people. We also don't want to categorize people as Jew or Christian. Because if theoretically, in a religious sense, if you're a Jew, you're a follower of Moses. And theoretically, as a matter of terminology, if you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ. I mean, that's what a Christian's supposed to mean. But most of the Jews and Christians I know don't follow Moses nor Christ. And they are not really Christians and they are not really Jews. They are actually part of the congregation of Satan. That's what it says in, in the New Testament. The synagogue of Satan. Synagogue meaning the congregation of Satan. Satan being the adversary. What was the adversary of Christianity in the first few centuries? I mean, Christianity was literally outlawed. It didn't say Christianity is outlawed, but we know that they outlawed private religion. And Christianity was a private religion. 
It wasn't a public religion. It was a private religion. And I, I, I gleaned a bunch of quotes and I, I put them together and we'll, we'll talk about that in later shows about the difference between private religion and, uh, public religion. And I quoted, uh, one of the quotes that I, I, I jotted down was from the Harvard University and it was, uh, Pope Matthew Robert, PhD, and he wrote, Circa Deus ec uh, religiones, uh, religion and the Roman emperors from Augustus to Constantine. And in that book he writes, Romans distinguish between public and private religion when the distinction between public and private religion is applied to Roman emperors. It becomes clear that many of them pursued personal religious interests in addition to their public religious role. So what was their public religious role? Religion was what you did to to fulfill your duty to the God or gods and your fellow man. That's what religion, that's a good definition of religion. It was the definition of religion 200 years ago. Today, the definition of religion is what you think about God or a supreme being. But religion was actually how that you performed your duty to God and your fellow man. That's what religion was all about. And so the public religion of the emperors was the welfare system that you see. I mean, feed the hungry, feed the weak, feed the needy of your society. I mean, James tells you pure religion was visiting the widows and orphans. It wasn't just visiting, how are you, how you doing, oh, you don't have any food, uh, well, I'll write that down. No, it was actually taking care of the widows and orphans, the, the needy. And, and if a man was sent to prison, which actually I talked to somebody last night who's concerned about having to go to jail and losing everything. And I said, so who takes care of your family when you're gone? And he says, well, you know, he's got some friends and some relatives that will help them for a little while. Well, see, if he was actually seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness and gathering together with other people seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, for one thing, he probably wouldn't be in the problem that he's now facing. Uh, but the other thing is, is that even if he did get unjustly sent away, you know, imprisoned or, you know, in many countries that happens all the time. I mean, I just read today that you can actually go to jail for having a pro-life website in France now and get a $30,000 fine. So to be pro-life is becoming, I mean, they've all actually also talked in, in, in many countries about criminalizing anybody who questions global warming. <laughs> Talk about your thought police. You can be arrested today on suspicion and convicted of suspicion of doing something that you you appear that you might be planning to do something. You can actually, according to, you know, um, government laws in the United States even, you know, the uh, Domestic Anti-Terrorist Act and uh, some of those things were rolled back, but then you find them again in the Patriot Act because that's a better name. Patriot sounds much more than Domestic Anti-Terrorist Act. Uh, you could actually be convicted of suspicion. I haven't seen that around since Tiberius. Tiberius was arresting people 
on suspicion. Actually, I did see it during Hitler's regime. Thousands of people were executed based on suspicion that they might be a part of a plot. So, you can go to jail for almost anything today, be put into prison for almost anything, and then who takes care of your family? Well, Jesus says count the cost. And count the cost of pure religion is a really big thing, counting the cost. And it doesn't, you know, sending in 20 bucks now and then to the ministers who are actually helping you seek the kingdom, because kingdom is is not a guy. It's a lot of people. Kingdom of God is for the living. It's for a lot of living. Not just those you know. Those friends in your little local congregation. Because there's no grace in in just loving those who love you. There's only grace when you love those who you don't even know. You see, when you entered into the systems of the world and coveted your neighbor's goods... You didn't even know who was going to pay for your public school education. You didn't know who was going to... When you gave in to Social Security over all these years, that's not going on deposit for you. Anybody who reads the Social Security Act knows that. Anybody with common sense knows that. That money is going to pay for benefits that are going out while you're working. You're only going to get money back from those people who pay in when you retire. You're not, that's the system. That's the way it works. You don't get your money back. You get money back from those who are paying into the system, at the point of a gun, by the way, who are paying into the system when you retire. Now, the problem is, is that the system is bankrupt because there is no division of funds and everybody, everything is bankrupt. So how, how do you get any funds from Social Security. They borrow it against the work that your children are going to do in the future. In other words, you're enslaving your children and your grandchildren by taking from Social Security because they're borrowing the money to pay you now because there isn't enough money to pay Social Security. A lot of times they say, oh, it is solvent. No, it's not. That's a lie. And it's been ruled over and over again by the Supreme Court that it is not solvent, that if the nation is in the red, Social Security is in the red. Because there is no legal division of funds. It is not a separate trust fund. That's that's That was settled way back at the beginning in the first uh, Supreme Court decisions based on... Uh, in examination of Social Security Administration. And it was, you know, again, in the 60s it was decided it, it's it's a settled issue over and over again. No division of funds. So any money you take out of that, any benefit you take today, public school, anything, that is all based on debt. Your whole money system is based on debt. So anytime you take any benefit, it increases the debt. And the money that they take in in income tax is just paying the interest. It's not paying for roads and services. It's paying the interest on money borrowed. Why Why is that significant? What does that have to do with the strategy of God? Well, the strategy of God includes the keeping of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is you do the work and then you enjoy the rest. That's the Sabbath. It's not seven days. It's not you know, lunar calendars. It's none of that. It's about working first, 
and earning your rest, earning the benefit of your labor. That is Sabbath. That is you work first, then you enjoy. If you're operating in debt, if your government is operating in debt, it's not keeping the Sabbath. I don't care if you're on Saturday or seven days or whatever you want to count it up. That's, that is, that is witchcraft to think that you counted the right number of days. So you're taking this day off. That is, that is witchcraft thinking that you magically going to please God because you follow some sort of physical pattern of behavior that uh, is based on calendars and numbers and numerology and all this kind of stuff. That isn't it. The law is spiritual. And earning what you have coming to you before you take it is a spiritual concept. And you haven't been doing that. So anyway, I said I was going to talk about strategies and I sent out an email to the entire network today and it will... You can find it in the Dear Network section of um, Preparing You if you, you want to read that. But it's, uh, you know, basically, you know, the, the title was Strategies. And, you know, I talk about the fact that I have read, you know, I read every law <laughs> that was was put up to be passed in a given year. I can't even remember what year it was now. And I found out all kinds of things. It was just a discipline. I mean, it took a huge amount of time because these laws are like book-sized things. And uh, I read them to see what was going on and see how things work. And I realized that there is somebody writing these laws in order to keep track of them. There's codes within the codes. And they use certain numbers to uh, identify where they're putting. Because they'll they'll pass a law like uh, the Insurance Portability Act, which was the year that that was coming up, was the year I was picking. And in it, you go down to Section 511, 512, and 513. And it has something in it about you got to have a Social Security number to do almost anything. Get any kind of a job, to get any kind of account, to get, do anything. You have to have this Social Security number. And it was under the, you know, the deadbeat dead clause. And this was in an insurance portability act. They put that in there. Well, there's all kinds of things in there that all kinds of little clauses that don't have anything to do with insurance, but they just slipped them in. Well, you would lose track of all those things if you didn't have a strategy to as to where you put them, where the section numbers come up. Well, there's a code to find where they're... Because those numbers are going to change the U.S. codes in Title 26, in Title 8, in Title 10. All these different things are going to change sections in these other U.S. United States codes. And so, even though this is one bill, it may change codes in many different areas of the United States codes. So they got to know where to put these things in, where to find them, and how they're going to rewrite the codes based on this new statute. So they have a they have a code within the code. Anyway, so I discovered that, and I saw that that bill was coming. And basically, the Social Security number is the mark of the beast right now. You don't have to wait for a chip. A chip, all that stuff is just a distraction. The fact is, you got the number. You've taken the mark of the beast, and without it, you can hardly survive in this nation anymore. 
And the same thing is true in many other countries. I mean, like they have a Seychelles number down in Santa Domingo. Uh, I can't even remember the uh, the SIN number in Canada. <laughs> That's S-I-N number. And uh, national insurance number in England. So they all got them. And they're all linked by treaties all over the world. Just like all these countries, there's only been a few countries that are held out and haven't got Federal Reserve, but most other countries have them. And uh, and the few countries that were held out, they've all been conquered, uh, you know, like uh, Panama, East Timor, Iraq, all these countries who were holding out against that, Libya, uh, they all have, you know, Federal Reserves now. Okay? And they're all linked to... The, you know, international treaties and a lot of other things. And to follow all that stuff is fascinating, but it can be a great distraction. We want to talk about the strategies of God. This is the strategies of the world. And when I wrote the book Covenants of the Gods, that's showing you the strategies of the world and how they seduce you, how they set the table of kings. And the Bible tells you if you be a man of appetite and you sit down to eat with these kings, these rulers, these prime ministers, presidents, whatever you want to call them, these executive officers, if you sit down to eat with them, put a knife to your throat if you be a man of appetite. Uh, the New Testament talks about appetite that you should not bite one another lest you be devoured. All that's taken place because you have not understood the strategies of the world. You wouldn't have fallen for the strategies of the world had you been following the strategies of Christ. So we need to understand the strategies of Christ. If you're going to repent, you know, if you if you say, oh, that's bad, I'm going to turn around and go another way. Well, you want to turn around and go the right way, which is the way of Christ. And so, anyway, I've read all these laws. I've read all these citations. I, You know, people are quoting this this uh, Supreme Court case and that one, and you go and read them, and you will say, well, wait a minute, that doesn't even have to do with this. <laughs> it has to do with that. And it sounds like they know what they're talking about, but they don't often know what they're talking about. And the key thing is, is all this stuff is in the tree of knowledge. It's not in the tree of life. And it's the tree of life that giveth salvation. It's the tree of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's that Holy Spirit that liveth and dwelleth in the tree of life that you want to find. So that's where we're going. So be right back and we'll take a look there. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So anyway, I sent out a little Dear Network letter concerning strategies, mentioning the fact that all these people have all these strategies. I have law, many, many stories I could fill up programs and probably already have 
on all the people who say, oh, yeah, I don't pay taxes anymore. Oh, I haven't paid taxes on our land for 10 years, and uh, I still have it. And he's selling everybody land patents uh, at several thousand dollars, sometimes as much as $10,000 for a packet. And his mother was paying the taxes. His mother would go in every uh, year and pay the taxes. Uh, yeah, he wasn't paying the taxes, but they were getting paid. And it was completely lying. And when you bring this up, people look at you and go like, oh, well, you know. And they actually, they hate you. They hate you as the messenger. I mean, I just called up the tax people at that county, found the location of the land, called up the tax people and said, who's paying the taxes on this? Oh, they actually remembered her coming in. And they said, yeah, it's paid every about this time every year, you know, da-da-da-da. And so, you know, we get a email back from the county courthouse saying that the taxes are paid on that. And we share that with people and say that this guy's lying. And they attack us. <laughs> this guy has defrauded people out of over $100,000 with his land patent schemes that don't mean anything. He hasn't proved them at all. And we're the, we're the wicked ones. Uh, of course, now some people, some people who were actually taken in by this admitted it, saw they couldn't get their money back because they were promised money back if they didn't agree with, and they didn't, and they never got their money back. And so I said, write a letter that shows that these guys are defrauding people out of, oh, don't want to do that because it would make them look foolish. They didn't have enough humility to do this to save other people from these charlatans and fraud artists. That's not kingdom. So, you know, should I reach out to them and try to bring them into the network? People who won't even come by writing a simple letter of testimony saying these people said they would give me my money back and never did. They wouldn't do that. Another guy fell into the banking thing. You know, you invest so many thousands of dollars and then they will get you 50% interest back and then they get more and more people investing in this and now your your account's up to 10,000, 12,000, 15,000 and then suddenly it all disappears. Along with hundreds of thousands of dollars. Just completely disappears. I know people doing jail time for that. And they were not the ones who got the money. Other people got the money. But they thought they were making this money and so they got other people involved so they became part of the fraud. The guys who really got the money, they don't go to jail. They know what they're doing. They they hide their tracks. You don't find them. But the guys who helped them do this, thinking that they're helping everybody, because they put these blinders on and they don't want to see the truth. They want to believe the lie. It's no different than the rest of the people of the world voting for this party or voting for that party thinking that's their salvation. It's not. Going to this church or going to that church, that's not, most of the time, that has nothing to do with your salvation. That's just your happy place. You go to that church that sings songs, makes you feel good, has sermons you like, it tells you you're saved, that you've accepted Jesus Christ, you know the date even. But you're actually not workers of righteousness. You're workers of iniquity because you're not workers of righteousness. If you're not doing righteous, if you're not doing what the first century church was doing, then you're probably not saved because 
you don't have the works of the first century church. You have the same governments around you everywhere offering you free bread and circuses and money and food stamps and welfare and social security. But they had all that back then. And they were counted workers of iniquity because they did not have Christ, because they didn't have a daily administration, because they weren't practicing pure religion. They were practicing the public religion and not repenting and practicing private religion, which operates by faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty. It's it's not an isolated home church groups. It's home church groups networked together with a national priesthood called the church, just like Israel was networked together with a national priesthood called the Levites. And we we talked in the programs before how early on church fathers were said flat out that the church was taking the place of the Levites. Because Jesus said, I'm going to take the kingdom from you, which meant even from the Levites and the Pharisees who were Levites, and we're going to give it to those who would bear fruit. And right away we see one of the first ministers to leave the Levites you know, Barnabas, who was a Levite, Hoses, who was a Levite and became Barnabas, laid all his money at the foot of the apostles and became a part of the church because they owned all things in common. The church, the ministers of the church owned all things in common. But these men came to serve, worked daily in the temple, rightly dividing bread from house to house, setting up a daily administration, Sending foreign aid all over the world to help out in emergencies. They were the faith emergency ministry auxiliary of the people who did believe in Christ. Who did not believe in the gods of Rome. So people wanted me to come up in this show and talk about the strategies of Christ instead of the strategies of the world. But I I have to mention this and you can go read the, the page. And that page is filled with links to help you understand things like legal terminology and citizenship. And I'm just looking here at mammon, the unrighteous mammon. If there's an unrighteous mammon, there must be a righteous mammon, right? Why distinguish unrighteous mammon? Why not just say mammon? Make yourself friends of mammon. But no, it says... Mammon of unrighteousness, there must be a mammon of righteousness. And of course there is. It's, but it's not dependent upon a central treasury. It's because you weren't to have a golden calf. And, we, you know, we have links to the golden calf story. What was that really going on? What was that really all about? So we show you all the, the wrong directions that you could go in, which everybody is going in, that brings you into the bondage of the world. I'm just noticing here, I don't think I have a link on that word. Oh, no, I do. Okay, so there's links to um, from words bondage, world, strategies, mammon, Christ, federal employees, social security numbers, mark of the beast, uh, daily ministration. All these links are on that page. So if you're confused about any of these things, you can go to those links and it will help you out. So at the first part of the page, I'm saying that all these strategies of men is not the answer. The legal system has not what bound you. You're not bound by a legal system. Those chains can be broken. But in order for us to loose on earth, which is 
bound on earth and loose in heaven what is bound in heaven, we have to deal with the natural law. And the natural law is that if you take the benefit, you take on the responsibilities associated with that benefit. If you neglect the responsibilities associated with the right, you lose the right. That's the law of nature. No pain, no gain. Use it or lose it. And that's what you've done. Through sloth and covetousness, you have been made merchandise. Not through legal systems. Yeah, the, the word legal does come from the word bind, but that is not, that is the box. That is the construct in which they bind you. What really binds you is the law of nature. So if you've gone into bondage, you've become merchandise, you've been cursed by your parents because of covetous practices, all you need to do is stop being covetous. Instead of spending all your life, all your money, all your energy trying to get out of the system, you should gather together in a network bound by love alone and exercise charitable practices taking care of not just those you love in your congregation but people you don't even know. Now this is a challenge because you you don't know how to do it and most of the people who maybe even started this will come and fall away because they do not persevere into the end and that is what Christ said. You had to persevere into the end because what you really are challenging by trying to abide according to the law of God and nature's God. What you are really challenging is the darkness in your own hearts and minds. You have to look into your own soul. This is a journey within. The kingdom of God is within you. And there's a lot of stuff in you. you know, I was talking to somebody, like I said last night, and he's, he was starting... A lot of revelations in his life as he's challenging all these things about his own selfishness and about his own pride and all this stuff. And he's coming face to face with this and that. What will really bring you face to face is if you actually start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You start saying, you know, I'm not quite as forgiving as I thought I was. And why is it important to forgive others? Because that's how you get forgiven. If you do not forgive... Neither will my Father forgive you. That's Jesus' doctrines. I didn't make it up. You're not forgiven because you think a thought. You're forgiven because you forgive others. And you have to forgive others in order to be forgiven. But all these strategies of the world are again found in the tree of knowledge. And we can have the tree of knowledge. We're just not to eat of it. So what gives us our direction in our life is the tree of life. So how do we get to the tree of life? How do we, how are we drawn near the tree of life? How is the Holy Spirit drawn near us and we to it? We can't conjure the Holy Spirit. We can't draw the Holy Spirit to us, but we can be drawn to it. And that's what the journey, that's what seeking the kingdom of heaven is all about, is being drawn Changing your footsteps to move toward the tree of life. Towards the Holy Spirit. So in the second part of that article, I ask, where in your life do you find the daily ministration of His church? 
the pure religion of James and the Corban of Jesus Christ. The Corban of the Pharisees was making the word of God to none effect, and Corban just means sacrifice. You're in the world, you're required to sacrifice. If you don't sacrifice, they send men to your door, kick in your door, arrest you, and throw you in jail. But the sacrifice in Jesus' kingdom is free will sacrifice, free will offerings. It is that charity, it is that love. Not again just for your congregation, but for others. So the blessed strategy of Christ and the true Christian following him and following the way, his way, through love of one another is the key to the kingdom. Because that unlocks the door and allows, because you, you're not locked out of the kingdom. Jesus has come to save you. You've locked yourself in a box made out of politics and religion and philosophies and what have you. You have to unlock your door and let the Holy Spirit in. Now, when you open that door to let the Holy Spirit in, in comes the light of truth. And this is the thing. This is a spiritual journey. Now, think about this. Ponder about this. This light of the Holy Spirit, it's not a physical light. But like light, it operates much the same way. When you open your door, the door to your heart, to others, and start giving to a daily ministration for others, you let the light, you've unlocked the door, your door, God's door, all you have to do is knock and His door will open. But His door will open, it's like at the motel rooms, it has a door on both sides. You open your door, you see another door. That, Christ will open His door if you desire Christ's light to come in. He will open, knock and you shall, the door shall be open. But if you got your door to your heart shut, because you don't want to let go of any of your religious and political and and prideful ideas, that light's not going to come into the interior chambers of your heart. You have to open your door on your side to let that light in. Now, that light, when it comes in, it's going to shine on the darkness in your own heart. Evil's not going to like that. Evil doesn't like that light. Evil has fled the light of heaven. Now you're letting the light of heaven into your heart, but evil is residing in your heart because you've been, you've sinned and you've had trauma and you haven't want to look at your problems. So just by letting that, praying to let that light in and opening your own door, just a crack, that light comes in and it'll make you feel uncomfortable. The truth hurts. But you have to let that door open up and let that light in and see that truth and know you can't get rid of the evil in you. You have to forgive others and you have to give to others in order to let that light in. And that empties out the evil that is in you. God will drive that out. You can't do it. You cannot pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You cannot save yourself 
with your deeds or with your thoughts. But you can be saved by letting in that light. And so what are those strategies? Pure religion is a strategy. The Corbin of Jesus Christ is a strategy. The dating ministration of His church is a strategy. Not forsaking the gathering together, but coming together not to be saved, but to save others. That's coming in the name of Christ. Christ came to save others. He didn't come to save Himself. You don't go to church to feel good. You go to church to let the light into your own heart and take that light. Once you start letting that light into your own heart, you just come into a room. And you will bring that light with you. You won't even know it. You won't even see it. It's not a physical light. It's a spiritual light. And it annoys the heck out of evil. They hate it. (laughs) And you don't have to purge your congregation. You have to purge the darkness in your own heart. Let more and more of that light into your own heart. How do you do that? forgiving forgiving the presidents and prime ministers and rulers of the world forgetting the attorneys forgiving the cops forgiving all these people who do bad things forgiving criminals forgiving Muslims forgiving you know I don't know whoever stepped on your toes you have to forgive them and leave judgment to God now can you really do that Forgiving isn't about saying you forgive. Forgiving is not judging them yourself. Now, you may see they do evil. You know, I can write it down. Yet, he did this evil thing. But that doesn't mean I'm judging them. That's just an observation of facts. He robbed this bank. He beat this woman. He raped this child. That's just facts. But are you angry? you hate them? Do you have resentment? Are you, is the emotional energy sending out stabbing, want to kill them attitudes? No. That's not what you want. Let God take care of that. You're not going to get a pillar of fire between you and the armies of Pharaoh if you want to run out and fight the Pharaoh yourself. That was a big problem at time of Moses. He hold those young men back, those passionate men who want to go out there and fight the Pharaoh. No. Let God fight this battle. And it, it makes a difference. It gives you a spiritual power you can't imagine. Actually, doesn't give it to you. It allows it to flow through you. You can't possess that spiritual power. You have to go another way. You have to go this other way. So what... What kind of strategies are we talking about that uh, will allow this to uh, take place? And, you know, I talk about the daily ministration. Well, the daily ministration isn't just for a local congregation. You know, we have, have people that were injured, needed help in the network. Every congregation could come together and just pay off that bill. We we also teach people how to negotiate it down so that you're not paying more than the insurance companies pay because the insurance companies don't pay what you see in the bill. They pay far less than that. And you can negotiate that down. There are a lot of doctor's offices who won't accept people with insurance. 
but they will work with you on the bill, but they can charge way less than the average guy because insurance isn't paying the bill. And that's there's ways to do this. And if you work together, you'll come up with ways I haven't even thought of. But you have to have these free assemblies. So what we did is created the network, which is an email network. And that way you can start forming congregations as locally as possible, even though people are often spread out. But then you have to start giving into that and start being what the early church was. Not just get into your little local, I scratch your back, you scratch my back group, but really getting out there and caring about one another. So that you can, you start becoming the benefactors who don't exercise authority one over the other. This is the strategy of Christ. Now, you know, I'm going to go through a list in the second half of this series that I put together and that uh, with the help of other people in congregations who are trying to figure out what does this actually interpret into? What is this vision? This vision is a network of people all across this country and all around the world that are actually, because this changes, this makes you a peculiar people. We have these articles up, the strategy article and the blessed strategy article and addiction addiction to aid, you know, how we're addicted to these benefits. You you want to move to a place where you don't need any social security, any welfare, any unemployment, any of these things. Well, that's a long ways away. But it may not be a long ways away in time. You may have a short period of time to get there because things are rapidly moving in the world today. We look out, and I've never seen this before, and I've heard Media people, uh, people who have been in the business for 30, 40 years saying they have never seen the selfishness and bigotry that we now see in the modern reporting of news. The false news site, the, uh, you know, the agenda of defaming and attacking and, and uh, stifling free speech is pervasive in the country today. The closed-mindedness, never before have we seen it quite this bad in the last 30, 40, 50 years. I've been watching it for almost 60 years now. There is something changing here. And there are people rising up too, but not majority. You know, most of the people who are opposing this encroachment on freedom, they themselves encroach upon the freedom of their neighbor because they seek the benefits from men who exercise authority one over the other, but call themselves benefactors. They just don't seek them as much as the people that we see on the far left who imagine that they they can have all these free things and not, not have to pay for them. I actually saw somebody say, well, you know, if we went to socialism, we wouldn't have to get up at five anymore. I mean, it's just crazy. But anyway, we're going to talk some strategy specific strategy when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom.
You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. So we're we're talking about strategies. The strategies of the world are to offer you many benefits, to set the table of the kings. Uh, he serves deceitful meats, but if you eat them, you're eating from the table of men who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority. I mean, they can only set the table by forcing the offerings of your neighbor, the sacrifice of your neighbor. Now, your neighbor might be in the nation next to you. That's the way Romans did it. You know, they would conquer a nation next to them. Originally, they did it by their industry and their cleverness. I mean, they would go out and mine, set up mining expeditions in other nations. And the other nations thought this was great because they were bringing in this money and they'd open up roads and trade goods. And, you know, even way back, you know, hundreds of years before Christ, men were mining iron in northern Europe. Uh, smelting it down to a point where it was just the raw material, and then loading it on ships and taking it up and trading with men in Norway, in Sweden. And they would get back from those men sometimes swords and knives and armor and tools and what have you, and they would they would trade the raw iron for the finished product. And they could sell those finished products down for other things down when they came. So they were trading back and forth, trading, you know, grain for this. And, and and you know, they were just very efficient, making these roads, making these ships, gigantic ships, carrying thousands of passengers to trade all throughout those areas long before Christ, hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ. And this is how they became wealthy, this hard work. But then they moved into becoming a socialist nation and they did this by offering benefits and uh, and that weakened the people. In a time of affluence, they did not strengthen the poor. They weakened the poor and weakened the people. It's easier to rule over weak people. So they followed the ways of Nimrod and Cain and Pharaoh and Caesar and Saul. And the people fell under their dictatorial power because of the table they set. Their table was a snare. Their welfare system was a snare. So now you want out of that welfare system... 
But you, how much time have you taken in creating a welfare system that is not a snare, which is a welfare system based on faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty? A, a system that requires that you love your neighbor as yourself. doesn't work unless you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we have an impossible task before us to teach people that they're not really Christians, that they're actually workers of iniquity. In order to tell somebody that, you have to attack their delusion. Their delusion is, is that they're saved already. And they create a number of, you know, religious rituals, you know, like I got baptized, I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior, uh, I, you know, I take this, the true Sabbath off, not the Sunday Sabbath, but the true Sabbath. You know, you have all these little catch things that we, these, all these little ideas that because I do this or I keep the old law and they don't even understand the old law, they think they're saved. They think they're actually following Christ. But they have no daily ministration, which we see the first century church doing. We know that Jesus fed thousands of people and we, we, we believe or we're taught that he was able to see feed thousands of people because he had seven loaves and fishes and then he just blessed them and they miraculously turned into you know thousands of loaves and fishes you know they just put them in the basket they went out to distribute them and then suddenly there was thousands of loaves and fishes and they didn't have to do anything that's what everybody wants to believe that's what everybody's taught I'm not the more I've studied the Hebrew, the more I've studied the Greek, the more I've studied the times, I don't think that's the real miracle. The real miracle is first he made the people sit down in fifties. Before they would sit down in fifties, they had to already be in tens. And there's a great deal of evidence that the church was organized in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands, just like ancient Israel. Because you see that pattern all over Europe, from Great Britain to... Germany to France to Italy to North Africa. That pattern is there in the early church. We see it historically. It's a, it's a well-kept secret because the Roman church wants you not to be in that pattern. It wants you to be millions of Roman Catholics all serving the Pope. They don't want you to be serving one another. If you were serving one another the Pope wouldn't have needed to crown the kings of England, France, Germany, etc. The Pope would not need to be the head of the European, the father of the European Union. He actually received a plaque that said he was the father of the European Union. And we see the European Union starting to break down now with Muslim hordes moving into Europe and creating all kinds of, of havoc there. And you haven't even seen the havoc yet. I mean, this is the tip of the iceberg of what's coming. And even more so. I mean, you're going to see... I'm not going to tell you what you're going to see. Let's focus on the strategies of Christ. Because Christ was setting up this network of charity. And he was training up ministers to minister to that network of charity. He appointed them. He took the kingdom away, not by force, but by... The, the words of their own mouth. He said that they would condemn themselves out of their own mouth. And they said, we have no king but Caesar. As soon as they said that, that's a, they're not Israel anymore. They have left the promise of Abraham. 
because they've no they were already well into the process when you know well that's why Jesus holds up the image of the coin by their own judgment to have the image of the coin in their pocket was to have a graven image in their pocket and would make them all sinners you know by their standards of course that graven image has really nothing to do with the spiritual law that's just how we interpret it when we don't want to think in spiritual terms see that's 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 a witchcraft again that you think that somehow there's power you give the power to the image the real power is in the spirit and the spirit doesn't have anything to do with the image the real the light of christ will allow you to see in a dark room but not with your eyes but to, with your spirit but you have to let that light in and it has to flow you don't let the light in and then you hold the light like you control it no that isn't the nature of god's kingdom it has to flow. When God gives you, you must give away to somebody else. If you don't, it stagnates and it will destroy you. So as God blesses you, you must bless others. And that doesn't mean just give to everybody. Oh, just give to the, that's the guy without money. I'll give to him. No, no. It means to give righteously, wisely, in a way that strengthens others. Very important. This is, how does this interpret into day-to-day actions? You know, we could have, we could only have congregations where people live within 10 blocks of each other so they could all meet and have uh, coffee and pie together every Sabbath. But that's not seeking the kingdom, that's just seeking a social club. So the fact that we're spread out and you can't meet physically all the time, that's a good thing. You can love all the time, but that love has to be real action. And nowadays, you know, you can you can put a check in the mail, you can put, you know, uh, send money, uh, you can send mail stuff, uh, you can do all kinds of things together. Right now, we we have some of our uh, ministers. I think I don't know how many are actually going to show up meeting in Florida. Was announced on the network that they're meeting at some. I guess it's like an open house for some big outfit that, you know, feed the world outfit or something. And, uh, you know, in the case of emergencies kind of thing, which will be overwhelmed in the days to come because there isn't enough food. There isn't going to be enough food to feed everybody, even if you could distribute it equally, rightly divide the bread from house to house. There isn't enough bread for everybody. People will starve to death. And when that starts happening, people will be killing one another. I mean, total mob violence. One of the most well-armed communities in the world will be out there. Everybody stealing one from another. And it should be that way. Because you have sowed the wind and you should reap the whirlwind. So the strategies of Christ is to know where to be and when to be there and who to be with. And how do you know that? Is because God gives you a light to see by. He gives you an inner compass that will guide you. He's been trying to give it to you for the last 10, 20, 30, 100 years. To you and your fathers before you. But you've been so caught up with your religious ideas and your philosophies and your vanities that you can't see it. You need to be humbled and you're about to get 
the great humbling experience of the millennium is going to be coming upon you. Best you start humbling yourselves now. Go into your prayer closets. Be still. Listen. Go to our website. Read if you want to read. But gather with other people. That is so difficult for people to get along with other people. To keep showing up even when you're upset with other people. If you if you get married and you're all in love and everything, there will come a time in every marriage where you get ticked off at your spouse. Where your spouse begins to irritate you. And we call it, they irritate the hell out of me. No, they actually find the hell in you <laughs> and expose it. And you get angry and you get unforgiving and you get resentful and you get a divorce. And then you say, I'm seeking the kingdom of God. I'm going to divorce my wife or divorce my husband and I'm going to go seek the kingdom of God. <laughs> Cannot do both. If you're supposed to love your enemy, you're sp- certainly supposed to love your spouse. You that That is why they said you should pick your ministers who are husbands of one wife who have a family and the family's in order. One reason is the ministry, you know, last night I spent hours on the phone. You know, I get, you know, if I just get a couple calls a day, it just eats into my day unbelievably because my day is full without those calls. I take them and I spend time with the people hours, hours on end sometimes. But we need a network. You're going to wear Moses out. (laughs) You need a network. You need to gather together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Not just for questions of law, but questions of mercy. Because the way dear matters is law, judgment, mercy, and faith. So, not just for judgment, but for mercy and faith. For the exercise of faith, for the exercise of mercy. Because without mercy, there is not going to be any law. Unless you're forgiving, you're not going to be forgiven. And you're you're condemned already because you've all sinned. So the strategies of Christ in, include the idea of gathering together for the purposes of Christ, which is to serve one another. So we set up a deal and we talked about it. We had somebody who published a thing. His name was Americo. You can look that up on the Preparing You site. Uh, Stephen Americo, I think it was. And he he did not sit down with us and work with us, which you can do through the network and through congregations. He went on his own, misinterpreted what we're doing, and applied his own reasoning and his own logic and came up with a solution that was just seductive to some, but was completely off base. And we went through it, you know, spent hundreds of hours of our time going through it. Some of the ministers wouldn't even read it. Uh, some did and struggled through it. And we came back with a response. But basically, what we're doing is, is this is based on years and years of study and, 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 and we give it away so we're not selling you anything. That the early church was formed. They had this baptismal ritual, but baptism wasn't just getting dunked in water. It was making a commitment. And that, you know, I've I've read from Hippolytus and some of the early church people before Constantine and showed you that what they were doing was saying that you are now going to have to have this private religion. 
You're not going to eat of the table of kings anymore. You're going to eat of this other. And, and that takes some learning and some practice. And, and people are so far away from it. So the church, you know, people said, well, should we go out to other churches? We don't tell you not to go out to other churches. We don't tell you to leave the church that you're in. We're not a cult. We're not trying to isolate you. We don't tell you to leave your family. We don't try to isolate you from your family. We try to get you to follow the ways of Christ. So somebody wrote me, and they talk about the fact that I often talk about the things that the modern Christians are doing. Of course, we have a chart up. If you look up modern Christian, I think you'll eventually go down to a chart which compares. If you look up early church, you can compare what the early church did to what the modern church does. And you can see, well, they're doing this. We should be doing that. And the comparison is right there. So you can go and just go down the items one at a time. And they all link to other articles that give you more specifics on that. But that's all still tree of knowledge stuff until you start doing the Word. You have to actually start doing it. That's where you really learn. Not in memorizing these charts and all these points in history. You have to actually do it. You have to start caring. You say, well, I've got, I've got so many things to do now. I gotta take care of my son. I gotta take care of my wife. I gotta take care of all these things. And, you know, I'm running a business. Hey, I know. I've been doing it for years. But I still find time for the kingdom. Still time, find time for the phone calls. Still find time to write the articles. You know, I just put out that strategy thing this morning. Got up early. And put that time in. Still played with my grandkids and talked with my wife. and But then I came in and now I'm in here for two hours. <laughs> you have the time that you want to spend. You have to spend it wisely. He says, can you speak of what the vision of the kingdom is? The kingdom is people bound by faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. That means that you have to be practicing charity with people. To bind yourself with people. I mean, if you have $20,000 worth of medical bills or $100,000 worth of medical bills and somebody comes along and not only reduces those bills but helps you pay those bills, sends somebody to your house to help you while you're recovering and allows you to get your head above water so that you can now be in business again, that binds you to the network. If you leave the network, the kingdom of people seeking the kingdom, you abandon them because somebody didn't agree with you, what grace have you? You didn't forgive anybody. You still hang around in order to try to get people to follow you. I'm trying to get people to follow the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to get people to stand alone but work together. Can you do that? That's the image. It's it's a different than the rest of the world. It's not... It's not a kingdom where we bind you together where you have to depend upon us. You can go depend upon the world. You can, and, and if you don't have any injuries or any difficulties and you're young, you might be able to go out and make a living and hide in the cracks and, you know, evade taxes and avoid taxes or whatever. I don't know. Go ahead and try it. But you will not stay young forever. <laughs> I can attest to that. So the vision of the kingdom is people who actually care enough to stay together. They don't divorce one another because somebody disagrees about some particular item. They're giving daily 
because people eat daily. They're certainly giving every week because people need help every week. They challenge their ministers and the ministers challenge them. They have heated debates, passionate debates, but they stay together. They cling together. They work together. You know, people say, oh, well, I don't want to be with them because we do things the way the old, you know, all our daughters have long dresses and what have you. You know, they they wear head coverings. Uh, you know, why don't they put on burkas? <laughs> that, that's very uniform and that's that covers a, a, a woman, you know, that's and and I think it is important that we dress modestly. But what does that have to do with charity? And charity is the greatest of them. You know, it's amazing the number of people that talk about these things, you know, keeping the Sabbath, not eating pork, but have no charity. How much do they give in charity to people they don't even know through the network? You know, they give a little time, you know, but maybe they got a lot of time to give. You know, maybe they're not raising five kids or six kids like I did. Maybe they're they're not trying to make a living for their family and never depending upon anybody else to pay their rent or pay their mortgage or pay their medical bills. But they actually support the ministry with their labor, not with contributions. You know, we're not supported by the contributions of congregations. We're not supported by them. We're finally getting a little bit of help from some of the ministers, but really... The contributions we get from the general population doesn't even pay our expenses in the ministry, much less our personal expenses. And we we will do that. We don't want to be a burden to people. As long as we can keep working and supporting ourselves, we'll do that. The funds are very low <laughs> because there's not a lot of people giving. That being that far away from people giving how in the world will we become the daily ministration of all the people in the network and how can we pull more people into a network that can barely be a daily ministration for itself now the early christians were the hardest workers of the kingdom the most industrious workers of the kingdom the most independent minded people of the kingdom they were also the most charitable people of the kingdom of the kingdoms of the world Left the kingdoms of the world. Opt out. What most people don't realize, just to give you a quick picture, when people got baptism at Pentecost, they were opting out of the social welfare system of Rome and into the social welfare system of Christ. They were going from the unrighteous mammon to the righteous mammon. What made it righteous was that it was operating by faith, hope, and charity rather than force, fear, and violence. That's what they were doing. What happened when Constantine supposedly legalized the church? What he was doing was canceling social security. He was canceling public religion, welfare. There wasn't, there wasn't going to be any welfare anymore. There wasn't going to be any more free bread and circuses. We're going to do it like the Christians do it. You have to donate in and your ministers dole back out to you, not based on entitlements, but based on some sort of moral righteous criteria. You don't just get it because you ain't got no money. You get it because 
you are a hard-working, industrious individual. And they said, we're going to do it like the Christians. And so the public temples became the private temples, the church temples. But these were all modern Christians. You know, they probably weren't all modern Christians. They were at least instant Christians. Just get baptized. And now, in order to jumpstart such a system, Constantine sent millions, the equivalent of billions of dollars today into these new so-called Christian temples to take care of the needy. But they let them know that from now on you're going to have to do it by charity. You're going to have to support these systems by charity. Private religion. Because we're not necessarily going to do it. But of course there always was a certain dabbling of the kings and then more so by the time you get to the fifth, well, about 1000 A.D., it started up again where they tried to impose a tax on the people to support the church. And this is why Lady Godiva is on the front of our free church report. And if you don't know that story, you should get the book and read it. You can get it free online. Just search it on our website. And you can get, get a copy of it for free. But why did Lady Godiva ch- get challenged or challenge her husband when he went to impose a tax? That was to support the church. And really what was she doing? She never got naked. <laughs> never happened. That completely distracts you from the truth. Anyway, find out. That's a good curiosity point. But this idea of the kingdom. Of people. Hardworking, industrious people. Starting to care not just about themselves. But about other hard-working, industrious people and starting to give regularly, forgive daily, come together in that forgiveness and giving, not for the good feeling you get, but for love of righteousness, love of mercy, love of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. That network will receive the blessings of God. That network will be a great nation. And that network will be a peculiar people. We have the articles up. You just have to read them. But really what you have to do is start becoming doers of the Word. Can you imagine all those Christians at Pentecost? Would you have been one? We'll be right back. Okay, we're going to try to clip right along here to get through some of the questions that were sent to me by the network. I thought I'd check and see if anybody else sent me any more questions while I'm (laughs) 
before I start with this list. I sent out that one thing last night, and sure enough, somebody sent me some more questions, uh, and those are pretty for, pretty easy. Anyway, I'll get to those last. Uh, that, those these other questions came from New York, and uh, but these questions, the first ones I'm going to deal with is what I jotted down from the emails that came in this morning after last night's uh, query as to any questions that we wanted to address here. So. One of the first things, they, they wanted me to speak about the vision of the kingdom. And we have done that. The kingdom was this system. It was a government. But it wasn't a government that exercised force. It was an ex- a government of love and charity and mercy and hope and forgiveness. All those things are essential characteristics of the kingdom of God. I say, so the question is, what are the right things to do to be a part of it? Well, we say things like repent. Well, turn around, do this other thing. To, to be a part of this government of love and charity and patience. Because love is patient. So, what we've laid out is that you identify with a particular congregation. You organize yourself into the tens. And you do it not just for judgment, but for mercy. Because you can't have judgment without mercy. And mercy has to do with charity has to do with giving and forgiving. So you gather together in a, what we call a core group, a congregation of recorded elders. Elders is the head of families. So they come together in a congregation. They do this by picking a minister. They look out amongst themselves and they pick a man that they consider to be a minister. And, and you should not be looking just in your local group. You know, where we're trying to form a congregation here in our local town. You don't need that. You will eventually, but don't start there. Don't wait for that. We already have congregations, you know, around, not hundreds of them. But wherever we have one, gather with that one. You know, gather by phone if they live too far away. But gather with that one. Have a phone conference every week. Uh, We'll set up an email group just for your congregation. And start to get to know those people in the congregation on on fellowship calls, on individual calls, what have you. You start to get get your kids knowing their kids, your grandkids knowing their kids, whatever. Get make them pen pals. Start interacting. Start finding out about one another. Start becoming a part of somebody else's life. And the fact that they're a hundred miles away or two hundred miles away is all the better. Because you're not doing this so you can get each other to scratch each other's back. You're doing, you're caring about somebody who you don't even know, but you want to get to know them. And you do this with a minister who meets regularly with the other ministers. So you're forming that kingdom network. And that minister, he may not be a priest of a nation, but he is, is, is allowed to sit in that position because he's accepting someone else who is a minister who is really trying to fulfill the characteristics of a minister of Christ, a disciple of Christ. So anyway, that may take some explanation. But gather in those core groups. We already have them existing. Join one. When it gets up to 15, 20 people, we'll we'll have a ceremony and we'll divide it and you go off with seven here and seven there or whatever or eight or, or ten and ten, whatever. And you can still be in contact with one another, because you still will be. But now you'll be two congregations. 
you know, it's division of the cell groups. And build it that way. Don't wait to become a part of a core. Become a part of a core today. So there's one thing. What can we expect along the journey of the right way? Personal trials, group trials, persecution, uh, ridicule, all those things that Christ talked about. You're going to have imperfect people in this congregation. Forgive them. It's wonderful to have imperfect people in your congregation because they give you the opportunity to forgive and every time you forgive, that lines you up to be forgiven. And I can guarantee every one of you need to be forgiven. None of you are worthy of salvation or will ever be worthy of salvation. It will always be by grace. But at least you can now become doers of the word because you are actually physically committing yourself to gather with a network that's kingdom thinking, not just isolated home churches. Kingdom thinking. Because in that kingdom, you will be able to help people you don't even know through the network of ministers. Absolutely important. You will be able to give life to people you absolutely don't even know through a network of ministers who are committing themselves to strengthening the poor. Another one, positive reasons to be a part of His Holy Church. Well, His Holy Church, again, is not a corporate unit or Brother Gregory or anybody like that. His Holy Church is the church established, the called out established by Jesus Christ. We strive to be that. Why do you want to be a part of that? It says reason to be a part of that. Because you want to gather with people you want to serve. And the people you want to serve is the people who want to gather to serve others too. In other words, you want to gather with people who are actually gathering in the name or character of Christ. That opens that door to let that light into your own heart. And that will take you back to what do you expect along the way. You will actually find that very difficult to let that light in. You're going to start seeing that you're really not as good a person as you wanted to think you were. But that's good. You're going to pick the scab off. You're going to let that thing heal. You're going to let the vitamin D of the sun come in and heal those wounds that are deep inside you. From the inside out. It's not just outside stuff that you do to get into the kingdom. It's mostly inside stuff. And letting that light in is very important. So somebody else asking also what might be the best way uh, of existing congregations to reach out to the communities they live in to share the true gospel of good news of the kingdom of God that is at hand. Could we, and he asked, attend church Bible studies? Well, you can have church Bible studies in your own homes uh, with friends but you also should do it two by two because you're all learning and then you can balance each other out and you know because nobody's perfect at this but yeah you could go to other church bible studies i've done it for years and we don't tell anybody like i say to leave the church they're in go there until they kick you out ask questions there well you know the early church you know we've given you all the ammunition so you got to do your own study the early church had a daily ministration to take care of the needy of the world. And then I had people come back and say, 
Oh, yeah, but uh, today we have welfare. We don't, the church doesn't need to do that. Well, they had welfare back then. It's called free bread and circuses. Extensive system of welfare throughout the entire empire. Herod had set up such a thing, but that was the unrighteous mammon because that depended upon treasuries that we know today are bankrupt. The early church wouldn't take, take of that, and that's why they were persecuted. Read Christian, the conf, uh, Christian conflict. The article, it shows you. They outlawed private religion, which Christianity was. They outlawed this private charity, private sacrifice. They said, no, you got to do it through the government temples, through the government system. So we've given you the ammunition. And I see guys on Facebook now. We had, we should have a whole team out there going to all the different groups on Facebook. And you just, you know, say, well, what about this? And you type in the URL, you know, cut, copy and paste. And a whole article and a picture shows up on Facebook that says, read this, at the bottom of almost every one of those pages, it says, join the network. And they're challenging people, thinking all over the country, all over the world, by using the social media. And you could do that. If you got together with a couple other guys, you could go to congregational meetings. Or you could go on your own. Sure. What we don't tell you not to go to the regular churches. You may be the only one bringing the Holy Spirit in there, but you don't just bring in the intellectual argument. You need to bring in the Holy Spirit. In order to do that, you have to do some real soul-searching on your own. You cannot conjure up that Holy Spirit. What draws you near? Sacrifice and forgiveness. Forgiveness. If you don't forgive, you don't open that door to the light because you won't be forgiven. You, You have to forgive in order to let the light in. But you also have to sacrifice to draw you near the light. That's why the word sacrifice comes from the word to draw near. Because that's the nature of God. And that pulls you towards God when you act according to His nature. When you're unforgiving. When you're short-tempered. When you're impatient. That draws you the other way. (laughs) So, you know, all these virtues, social virtues and vices are taking you one way or the other. They're helping you turn around towards God or just turn away from God and go the other way. I mean, this is these are the choices you have to make personally in your personal journey. So it says, become active in your present community outreach programs that help the elderly and homeless. Certainly. And then report back to your congregation as to what you're learning, what you're seeing what's happening with you, and try to get together with others. Um, if someone is interested in, you know, we had a deal where we're going to have t-shirts uh, where you could go, and your congregation, if you had a local congregation they could actually physically meet, make a deal to go down to the local bread kitchens, the local food kitchens, whatever, and uh, participate. And then come back and report with your minister or report to other congregations through your minister what you're finding out. And then try it again. You know, it's learn by doing. Yeah, so, so volunteer to help in soup kitchens. That's one of the things. Yeah, that's fine. But try different ones because you're going to find a different spirit in these different places. Like I said, down in Florida, they're meeting today with some outfit that's begun feeding the world in the case of emergency. I saw a big semi-truck at, at a place in town just this last week or a week ago. I don't get to town very often. Um, 
that was an emergency supply truck, uh, some sort of private organization. We're going to need to have a whole fleet of those things around. We're going to need to, you know, finish the airport out on the church property so that people can land there. Uh, we're going to need to build facilities uh, that can have multiple purposes. There are all kinds of things we're going to need to do. But first, we need to help one another with consistent patience. We cannot be divorcing our congregation because somebody irritated me. We have to forgive them and stay with it. Persevere. This is the the word Jesus used. Persevere. Count the cost. Put your hand to the plow. Don't look back. But we have people bailing out because somebody disagreed with them. If I was going to bail out every time somebody disagreed with me, I could fly already. (laughs) Stop doing that. Stick with something. So anyway, he says all of the above and many more ways of getting the message to the public. Yeah, there are many. He says, I'm just wondering what others uh, might be doing. And that's why you have congregation. That's why I say go back to your congregation, back to your ministers, share with them. Write it down if necessary. Put it in an email. Number it so that he can take that to the minister's meeting and stimulate their thinking. What did you find out? What worked? What didn't work? What do you think is really going on? Because a lot of times people will reject you, but they'll go home thinking about what you said. In a week, two weeks, I've had people come back seven years later and say, you know, I just kept bothering me and I finally, you know, <laughs> so, you know, planting seeds, is, it requires patience. You're sowing seeds. Some are going to fall where they, they get eaten up by birds. Some will fall where there's weeds. And some may flourish and grow and produce fruit. But you got to sow those seeds just the same and you have to get better at it. I could teach you how to sow seeds. <laughs> I know. I mean, literally sow seeds. I can do it uh, as well as the machine. I mean, it comes up as even as the machine. But it's years and years of practice because I didn't always have machines. <laughs> but anyway, there's uh, how do we have more and more impact on society? Really, what you're really looking for is an impact on yourself. By doing these things... With patience and love and sacrifice. And when you get the bad feedback, you just take it. You forgive them. I'm not going to have time to go into it now, but I was talking to the fellow last night who was talking about the wicked and evil and all how they're coming against them and which I understand and I agree with. But your defense against that evil is love. Love is not submissive. Love is power. Real love. You know, touchy-feely, you know, cuddly up love. That's not love. That's You do that for what you can get. I talk about this. My cat loves birds. He loves them to death. <laughs> you know, my cat loves to be scratched. Uh, my, I say my cat is outside. There's <laughs> a farm cat. Uh, loves to be petted, loves to rub up against your leg, you know. But that, he's doing, she's doing that because she loves it. She's not doing it because she loves me, she's a cat. <laughs> she's doing it because it feels good to her. <laughs> so now what about Christ's love? Did Christ go get crucified because it feels good? No. 
He did it because he loves God. Love others because you love God. Forgive others because you love God. Trust in God to do the judging. You just do the loving. And that love will will be like heaping hot coals upon your enemy. You don't get that maybe yet. You you will if you continue to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So it says, as a scene, I believe there are those who know there must be more out there. And there are. So every chance you get, bear witness. But make sure, make sure that it's leading you to bear witness. Because there's times when God says, shut up. You have to be still. Don't go out with your own ambition trying to save the world. Don't go out with your own ambition trying to turn these people to the light. Go out because God's telling you to go. And that's sometimes very hard for the hard-working, ambitious man to understand. To follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. Be careful of strategizing this too much. Understand there are strategies. There are things you can do. But... Listen, always ask before you do something, God, is this what you want me to do? Don't figure, I got a plan. I've got a way of doing this. I have figured out what I need to say here. I have studied. I am, no. God, what do you want me to do? Not my will, but thine be done. So keep that in mind. Constantly return to that day after day after day. So anyway, he says, and I've seen many come and go looking for another way. Not finding it with the singing songs and sitting through the sermons. Now, everybody, there's a lot of people out there looking for another way, but are they looking for the way of righteousness? I don't know. Only God knows. You have to be that light. And we don't tell you to, you know, go off and become a hermit and become, you know, put your light under a bushel basket. We tell you to go out there and shine. But go out according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit is that inner compass. People said, you know, I looked and I looked and I looked and I came upon your stuff and I knew that that was the answer. Well, you saw something. And you saw there was an answer there. You don't have the whole answer yet or you wouldn't be calling me up. I don't have the whole answer yet. Or I wouldn't be calling God up all the time. Saying, is this it? Is this it? Because there's levels and levels and layers and layers to the kingdom. And so, it's a process. Okay, what told you that there's an answer there in what you're reading? That thing that told you is the Holy Spirit. Not the information. That is not your salvation. It's following that Holy Spirit that said, go this way. Look at this. Follow this. Now, when you follow those things, you're going to come face to face with the evil in your own heart, the darkness in your own heart, the scars, the traumas in your own heart. And when the light shines on it, you're going to get an uncomfortable feeling, a painful feeling. You're not even going to know what it is. You just feel that uncomfortable. You will either turn away from it or accept it and say, what is this? Why am I being bothered by this? You ponder this in prayer and humility. And suddenly problems will go away. Turn it all over to Christ. Keep moving, persevere, striving. These are words of Christ ahead. 
caring, sticking by one another. Don't divorce your wife or your husband or your congregation. Stick it out. I just heard about somebody else I know, knew for a long time. But suddenly, now all of a sudden, getting a divorce. Of course, they're not haven't been seeking the kingdom. They've been seeking their own self righteousness. How can they give up so quickly on somebody they've lived together with for twenty, twenty five years? How can they go apart so completely? It's 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 astounding. But yet you are not in control. God is in control. And you need to understand that. And you need to let him take control and show you what to do next. So anyway, I said there were a couple other questions. We only got a few more minutes here, but uh, it says, Does a minister tithe to another minister? Absolutely. That's the whole idea of a network. Now, tithing, again, is not necessarily 10%. Now, people like to say 10%, but it isn't really 10%. It, you know, figuratively, it might come to 10%, but what it is is the tens. Ten families get together, and... That forms the congregation. Now, that existed long before Jethro. Jethro didn't come up with that idea. It existed long before Moses. It existed even before Nimrod, because Nimrod organized the people into the tens. That was just so commonly understood, you didn't need to say it all the time. When Jesus said, sit down in fifties, he was saying, get out of your congregation's mindset, your home church mindset, your ten group mindset. And start thinking in a bigger way. Congregations of tens in seats of fifties and hundreds, etc. Then people began to share, not just loving those in their congregation, but loving those in all the other congregations round about. And the way you do that is you tie to your minister, you give to your minister, and your minister gives up to another minister and shares through him with the other ministers in his congregation. Because his congregation is not the congregation he serves, but the congregations of ministers that he is with. This is, this is you're constantly trying to get to a place where you love those who you don't even know. Because you got in the place of bondage because you didn't care about those who you didn't even know. The red button thing. Push the red button. Someone you don't even know will die, but you will get a million dollars. You will get Social Security. You will get free education. You will get Medicare, Medicaid. But somebody somewhere is going to suffer, but you don't know them. That's how you got into bondage. Not the legal system, nothing else. Just that principle in the law of nature. That's how you got into bondage. How you get out of bondage is start caring about somebody you don't even know. (laughs) And the only way to do that is not just care about your congregation, but congregations where you may not even know the people. So yeah, you have to tithe upward to others. And so anyway... There's one other question, but we'll have to do that in this afternoon's program. (laughs) Until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless.
You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.